Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. Our broadcast today comes from our most recent Meta Strategy Digital Symposium. The topic is innovation ecosystems as a source of growth. And the panelists who spoke about this topic were Ryan Snyder, the Chief Information Officer of Thermo Fisher, and Teddy Bakela, the Chief Technology Officer of Lando Lakes. The gentleman who led the conversation was Meta Strategy's co-head of Executive Networks, Research and Media, Stephen Norton, who joins me now. Stephen, welcome. Thanks, Peter. It's great to see you and great to be here. Well, Stephen, let's begin with the topic. It was uh, innovation ecosystems as a source of growth. Uh, certainly a, an interesting topic, but talk a bit more about your own perspective as to why it was a salient one for this conference. When we talk about innovation ecosystems, we're talking about the stakeholders throughout the value chain. So IT, business unit leaders, suppliers, um, end users, many others, um, all of these groups that are interrelated and who are either impacted by those innovations or play a role in bringing innovation to life. And so this ecosystem approach puts technology leaders in a really interesting spot. First, they have the technology expertise and experience to help everyone across the ecosystem really understand what's possible. But second, since technology cuts across all of those different stakeholder groups, they're really also in a position to be a conductor of sorts. You know, they can connect the dots across those groups to make sure that whatever innovations they are pursuing, not only deliver significant value to the end user, but also really line up with the company's strategic goals. And so that topic itself was a, the main reason for this panel. But, I, you know, I think it also speaks to the ways in which technology executives continue to expand their purviews beyond IT and play a much bigger role in, in defining and really influencing the strategic roadmap for growth and innovation at their organizations. Thanks for that overview, Stephen. And while we're at it, uh, talk a bit about Ryan Snyder of Thermo Fisher and Teddy Bacalo of Land Lakes. Why were they appropriate to personify the ideas you've just noted? Yeah, we were so fortunate to have Ryan and Teddy join us. Um, both of these guys are amazing leaders in their own right, and their companies are both really involved in innovation that have huge real-world impact. Um, Thermo Fisher, they're enabling scientists to solve the world's biggest problems, and at Lando Lakes, they're thinking about how to feed the world. I mean, just two massive missions, and it was great to, to get their perspectives. Um, I really enjoyed Ryan's perspective and advice on how IT leaders can empower their peers and other stakeholders across the business to drive innovation forward. Some really great insights that he shared with us. And for Teddy, the Lando Lakes' farm to fork approach to innovation, I thought was really interesting. And it's nice how he provides a sort of end-to-end -end perspective on how the innovation projects they work on not only help Lando Lakes thrive, but really deliver value across the ecosystem. And, and one last thing I'd say, um, Teddy and Ryan both share just a deep understanding of the people side of this innovation equation. They understand the importance of managing relationships and really too how to communicate, especially to the C-suite peers, how innovation can be a source of value. So I really enjoyed this conversation with them and I hope everyone listening today will too. Well, let's get into the topic. It is innovation ecosystems as a source of growth with Ryan Snyder of Thermo Fisher, Teddy Bacala of Lando Lakes, with Meta Strategy Zone, Stephen Norton. Um, I'm excited to kick off our next panel, really looking at innovation ecosystems and how those can be used as a source of growth inside organization. As Peter mentioned at the top of this call, through a lot of the dinners and other conversations that we've been having, uh, a lot of people are asking about how to increase innovation, innovation throughput and ideation. And we tend to talk a lot about innovation ecosystems and unconventional partnerships as these keys to growth. But as I think as many of you can attest to, it's not just the shiny object or the moonshot, but often really quite complex and strategic work that you have to do to build these ecosystems and translate that into results at your organization. And so I'm very excited to have two great innovators with me today. 
um, for a discussion on how some of these things work in practice and the value that it can deliver to organizations. Um, first, I'd love to introduce Ryan Snyder, the Chief Information Officer at Thermo Fisher, a company with more than $40 billion in revenue based in Massachusetts um, that really pushes forward in their mission to serve science, creating a series of products and services for the scientific community that we'll get into today. Um, he runs the digital and IT organization and is really thinking about how to drive the broader strategy to make the company a leader in digital science. Ryan, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you. I'd also love to introduce um, Teddy Bekele, the Chief Technology Officer at Landa Lakes. He's based in Minnesota, and, and he really owns technology at the company from farm to fork, uh, thinking about the technology solutions, both for retail customers as well as uh, folks who are working in the farm uh, to help them produce more sustainable outputs and, and really create more stability for farmers. Um, he's been at the company for about eight years, CTO for about four of those. Thank you so much for joining us today. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So, Teddy, let's start with you. So, I'd be curious to hear how you think about the innovation ecosystem at Lando Lakes. Um, who are the key stakeholders, and how do you start to position yourself in IT within that broader ecosystem? Yeah, the, the company itself has an interesting ecosystem, well, even the industries in which we play in, right? So, it's a, it's a very large organization, uh, four main business units, starting from the agriculture side, where we buy seed and crop protection, then sell that to uh, retail customers that then sell it to farmers, right? So ultimate customer there is the, is the consumer, is the, is the farmer of those products. Uh, we also have an animal nutrition division where we make feed formulations for a lot of animals from cows to cattle, to horses, to chickens, you name it, we probably have the feed for it. And then obviously the business unit that carries the Land Lakes name is the dairy business where we procure milk from dairy producers that are part of the cooperative. And then we buy the milk from them and then turn that into uh, value-added products such as butter and cheese you buy in the store. So all of us as consumers buy in the store. All these businesses are well-connected. So it's hard to think about who is the consumer or the customer here, right? Because as you heard from farmer, you know, but the farmer produces grain. That grain is actually what goes into the feed formulation, you know, where, where we are the customer on the other end now. Where we're buying the grain from the farmer. And then now we're turning it into... Um, uh, feed, which then cows consume, and then that's fed to the cows, which then are suppliers for us to the milk side, and then the consumers, right? So you've got this ecosystem in general with many different stakeholders and many different uh, sort of centers of a circle in a way, right? And so we've got to think about that whole thing end to end, and because our business units are connected, uh, we try to bring a lot of different players in the industry. We're not the center by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, we are maybe the connecting unit in a lot of different areas. So we've got to think of a lot of different partners that play in this ecosystem and really using the technology as a backbone across many different companies. So the ecosystem has to be in partnership with many different players coming together from companies that are in logistics to those who are processing the food or the ingredients to the food retailers, such as the Walmarts and the Kroger's. So as you start to bring that together and you create sort of this ecosystem from farm to fork, really you have to engage many different players in there and really try to think of different ways to excite the value chain, to bring different value. In some cases, maybe about taking out cost and making it more efficient. In some cases, maybe adding some more value and delivering something that, you know, the consumer or the customer doesn't have today. And so it really creates sort of this interesting dynamic where different companies have to come together, but it really is about, you know, feeding a growing population. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much for that overview. And I, I think you did such a good job helping us see just how vast that ecosystem can be, but also really starting to understand, and I think helping the organization understand where those connection points are and where technology can be a lever. Um, Ryan, I wanted to turn it to you next. I know you said before within Thermo Fisher, like, in, like inside many companies, every function these days has its own digital agenda, which often includes an innovation component of that. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you start to connect the dots across the business and become a, a voice of influence for innovation um, across those different pieces? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the idea that digital is kind of one person's domain, I, I think that ship sailed, right? So digitization has been around a long time. And so the way I look at it is, it's kind of a life cycle, right? There's there's some aspects of digital that are super mature and you can more or less not cede any control over it, but you certainly aren't in the driver's seat, right? So I tend to let you know business leaders, PL leaders, marketing leaders, R&D leaders kind of take the reins and drive the innovations that they need for their business from a digital perspective. And if that's a mature capability and we've instituted a platform that we're comfortable with, and that is secure, um, you know, we let that play out. Um, we tend to get much more engaged when things are kind of early innovation, uh, just to ensure that, you know, we're not introducing capabilities, uh, especially from partners, you know, as Teddy was saying, that's increasingly, you know, where a lot of the innovation comes from, just because it's moving so fast, you have to rely on external parties. Um, that's, that's where we tend to get more engaged. And, as a large organization, you certainly have to be super connected to, you know, the, the strategy being set forward from the uh, the company leadership team to at least ensure that as the guardrails kind of come down from the top, those innovations are, are aligned, if you will, to where the company's mission is heading. So, so, Ryan, would you say, that, uh, you know, what's interesting is like sometimes it's more of an art than a science, right? Like on how to when to get engaged. So there's times where. You want to let them to be innovative and do what you want to do. But then there's times where you're like, wait, 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 that's you're getting a little bit ahead of yourself and we got to control this. And maybe let's bring some folks that know a little bit more. So I feel the pain when he said that. I mean, it was truly one of those things where it's like, OK, this is more art than science. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, well, it, it, it's, it's people based. Right. I mean, there's like if we all were honest, there's the org chart and then there's kind of the, the org chart behind the org chart. So there's certain people that you've built relationships with and or you just trust. Uh, because they're very comfortable operating in that space. And there's others, you know, maybe they need a, a little bit more adult supervision, I guess. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, Teddy, I wonder if you could walk us through maybe an example that illustrates the innovation ecosystem at work at Land O'Lakes. Um, just given that that huge expanse of different stakeholders that are involved, how does, how does that process work in practice? Yeah. And, and, you know, and what's so exciting about these ecosystems is you discover things as you go along, right? So you sort of have an idea of something you want to deliver and then the output ends up being something related, but kind of kind of different at the same time. So we have this, you know, uh, obviously in our, we do have a fourth business unit within Land Lakes, kind of sits on top of the other three, which is around sustainability. And it's sustainability deep within a business, like, you know, like what are some of the practices you're putting into place or your suppliers are putting into place or upstream, downstream, as well as, you know, when you look across that whole value chain, what are some of the things we can push on there? And one area that was super interesting was this, you know, obviously we could help farmers change their practices and the inputs that they use on the field and how they manage them uh, to, to get a more sustainable crop out of the ground, 
meaning like they're sequestering carbon into the ground. They're not tampering with that carbon. So it stays in the ground so they can sequester it. We create sort of a, a profit center for them a little bit as well to encourage them to be able to adopt those practices. But one of the things we noticed on the other end was there are food uh, companies that want to procure grain, right? That meets those sustainability criteria because they have a scope one, scope two, scope three goals, right? So they wanna make sure that the grain that they source is sustainably grown. And so that was our getting into it. And then obviously it's, okay, when that grain comes off the field, how do you make sure it's separated from the grain that wasn't managed in a certain way? How does it go into a bin of a retailer? And then all the way down, right? So that's where the technology starts to play. And that's where we uh, had a lot of work there. Now, what, I, what ended up being interesting in this example though, and this is the ecosystem at play now, that food company, originally we started working more with a procurement team, right? And that was where they, they, they really paid their attention. But somehow we got linked up and through conversations to their R&D team. And that team now was thinking about, hey, like if you can procure grain that's sustainably grown, could you actually meet certain gluten, protein, carbohydrate levels? Like, is that possible? And obviously you go back to the agronomy guys up front and you're like, could you actually influence the crop and like the, 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 the ingredient or, the, or the, the components that are inside the plant and what it results at the end? They're like, yeah, sure, we could if you change this and change that, and if you apply more nitrogen or less nitrogen, or if you have this, these other uh, levers that you could pull, we could, we could meet that criteria. We could do that. Well, then it became super interesting because for that food company now, they're talking about sustainability. What's more exciting for them though is, well, if you can control those levels, the sensory taste that we, we develop, like the way it crunches in your mouth or the way it tastes, right? Or the way it looks, like we can, we can help manage that. And so all of a sudden it blew up this ecosystem where it wasn't just about growing a crop sustainably and doing the scope one, scope two, scope three, but it really was about creating new food that's more nutritious, that tastes better. And so then all of a sudden, I mean, you know, they have other players that play into that, right? So, well, what are the other ingredients that we put into this formulation? Who else do we need to engage in this conversation? So those are the types of things that when you sort of open up that, 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 that partnerships and the ecosystem, it becomes super exciting. And by the way, all of that is connected through the technology because you have to trace, you have to track, you have to make sure it meets a certain quality in certain places. You have to manage the crop as it's you know, coming out of the ground. So there's all sorts of technology that plays into it. Yeah, I think it speaks a lot too to that ability to connect the dots and the importance of being in frequent communication with those partners, right? Because you start out trying to solve one problem and then you learn that it could be something quite a bit bigger um, and more impactful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Ryan, I'd love to return to something you said a little bit earlier about, you know, letting business leaders and PL leaders take the reins on some of these things. Um, I know you've opted to allow some single instances of tech applications rather than necessarily driving a huge consolidation wave. And I'm curious about kind of why you decided to take that decision and how does that affect the way that innovation starts to happen within those different parts of the business? Yeah, some of it's deliberate and some of it is um, it's the way it is, right? So since I joined the company just a few years ago, we went from 15 billion to 40 billion. So you're you're growing dramatically through acquisition as well as organic growth. And growth is kind of how, for better, for worse, healthcare, science type companies, life sciences companies get evaluated. So there's always a premium on growth. There's continual uh, market consolidation. So you know, I could spend all of my energy and more kind of chasing and, and trying to continually clean up 
the instances, but it's just, it's actually just not possible. Uh, and, and it's not really, it's not the premium uh, by which, you know, we're ultimately evaluated. Unfortunately, that creates, which I'm, you know, be surprised to nobody who's, uh, uh, you know, received healthcare is it creates massive inefficiencies, right? There's just tons of systems that don't talk to each other. That's just continually true about drug development, healthcare in general. So the reckoning comes typically through consolidation, but I would say the focal point for us has been on data, right? So we, we made more of a decision early on to say, I could spend you know, all of my time doing ERP and CRM consolidations, but rather really the value that you know, people are looking for is you know, similar to, uh, to what Teddy was saying is, I really just need to understand what you know, d- important data elements from early stage development and, and why does that matter in terms of the part of my business that is actually producing vaccines or therapies that are gonna ultimately go into somebody's body and following kind of how molecules move throughout the different business uh, units through different development ends. So I, I can actually accomplish a lot of what the business needs through data and creating enterprise data platforms and connectivity that way. And that's accelerated innovation around AI and automation, uh, which is great. Uh, but you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say I had massive inefficiencies, which you know, I'm a glass half full guy. So I look at that and say, wow, you know what? If uh, recessions and all that are looming, then we can probably uh, repoint the arrow towards uh, some of my infrastructure and and start to uh, drive more productivity uh, that way. Well, hopefully a room full of full, of full glasses here. The, the last question I have is actually for, for both of you. We've, we've talked throughout this session about one, tying innovation to the broader strategy, but also getting to that value conversation very quickly. And so I'm curious about how, you're, how you interact with your other peers in the C-suite to influence that conversation. And, and how do you bring that, um, those different points of view on innovations to your peers in the C-suite to really be a voice of influence and, and drive some of those things, those things forward? Betty, maybe I'll send it to you. Yeah, we could. What a great question, Stephen. And um, you know, it's been about the, the the value question. You know, if 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 the technology is not driving a value in the business, like where it's clearly visible and everybody's in it, we're just a cost center, right? And in, in the in the in the tight times, as Ryan was mentioning, you're like first thing, it's like, okay, well, how much percentage are you going to take off your you know your budget and whatnot, and what does it look like next year? So, I think we've we're and it's I mean it's still a challenge to a certain extent, but it's getting better because technology is becoming sort of at the center of everything. And so we've transformed more into this using sort of agile methodologies into product teams that are now expanding into the business, right? And the the value of the the, the product team has to drive a value, a business value, right? So if we're running a service-based business and we're trying to grow that both in revenue and margin. Like there's a target for that product team and that product team is made up of technologists. It's made up of marketing uh, individuals. There's some sales in there. There's operations. Right. And so that whole team is driving towards that. So they have these targets and it's easy enough now to say, well, I've dedicated this portion of my team and budget and uh, hardware cost and software, et cetera. But the larger goal for the team is visible and our costs are obviously either either cost of goods sold or SG&A in that overall calculation. But it's everybody's aligned on what that is. And so if anything, what I'm getting now is more is more folks asking for, can I double down on that? Like, what if we were to put more in? Can we go faster? Can we grow? And, and so you almost have to tamper that in a lot of cases. But I love when we're moving more to that model. And even our teams of the technologists have such more 
tangible things that they can point to and say, like, I did that. I, this, is, this is my legacy at the end of the day. And that's very exciting to see. So I think that's where when those kind of meld together and it becomes one, that's truly when you unleash the value. I, I agree with all that. I, I think, you know, one of the things I've commented on in these types of forums before is if I think about who did I hang out with through my career, it's changed, right? I mean, early days, it was very much the finance leaders, the manufacturing leaders, the operational leaders, right? Because, you know, the, the tools that you had in the toolbox for IT were around efficiency. And then there was kind of a period where, you know, it was like constantly sparring and working with the marketing teams, right? Because the advent of digital and, you know, marketing versus IT, you know, how, how can all of these new technologies around, you know, the internet really become enabled as business levers and who's really going to be the, the guiding voice of that? I, I, I now spend a, a tremendous amount of my time with our chief strategy officer. Um, you know, because I, I feel like all those debates are over, right? I mean, I think the answer is IT is involved in everything. Uh, there's really no aspect of the business where it's not CTO, CDO, CIO. It's really all connected. And, you know, at the end of the day, you just have to ensure that how these things are getting deployed, um, you know, that you're happy with it. And, you know, the CEO who I report to feels like I'm accountable. But at the end of the day, I can't be accountable for how every aspect of this stuff works, right? So that's where I have found the greatest ally and just really ensuring that things that I wake up and think about and my organization feels passionate about get woven into the strategy of the company. Um, and then that that can become the mouthpiece, so to speak, where it's not just coming from you know, my desk, it, it's really coming from where the strategy is being deployed, whether that's the CEO or, or the chief strategy officer. That's, that's definitely been the change I've seen over the past few years. That's great to see, and it's. I think you painted a really good picture of how the relationship of the, uh, or the role of the CIO and technology leader has evolved over time, and uh, it's great to see that that it's continuing to evolve in a positive direction, um, both at Thermo Fisher, I'm sure, at other places as well. But with that, Ryan, Teddy, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been a, a wonderful conversation, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Sounds you. good.